This is Marco Reus and you're listening to the Yellow Wall Podcast. Hakimi. Sancho is in the middle as well, waiting. Hakimi looks like he's going to go it alone here. And he does so to devastating effect. Akram Hakimi puts Borussia Dortmund in front. All of his own work. It's Hakimi. And he settled it. His second of the night. Borussia Dortmund on the counter-attack. Clinch the points. Hello and welcome to episode 295 of the Yellow Wall Pod. I'm your host Stefan Butzko and today we will talk about Borussia Dortmund's 2-all draw against Werder Bremen, the 2-0 win away to Slavia Prague in the Champions League and we will preview tomorrow's game against SC Freiburg and if we have time we'll talk about Pierre-Emerick Aubameyang and his Twitter fingers and for all that and more join me Konstantin Eckner. Hello Konstantin, how are you doing? Hello Stefan, how are you? Very well, thank you. Um, very much enjoying the impeachment sweepstakes here in America. <laughs> and uh, maybe someone who is also enjoying that, I don't know, Matthias Zuck. Hello, Matthias. How are you doing? Hello, Stefan. I'm doing well. The weather's fantastic in Colorado. And uh, I'm glad I no longer live outside of Washington, D.C. because it would just annoy the ever-living crap out of me. <laughs> yeah that's very fair enough i believe um unfortunately this episode does not have a sponsor so anyone out there please go to patreon.com slash the yellow wall and sponsor us asap um but in the meantime we have a lot of things to get to borussia dortmund as i said earlier drew two all against werder bremen um i thought the game was quite exciting and um lucien favre actually made a couple of changes after constantine and i demanded that in the previous episode we actually saw a change on the double pivot we had the starting next to axel witzel we had uh meyer Götze starting for the first time up front instead of paco alcasa and there were a couple of changes at fullback lucas pischek again in the starting lineup and afra hakimi going to the left side and of course uh Julian Weigel replaced Mats Hummels, who was injured with a back injury. So, Konstantin, um, before we talk about the game, what did you make of the lineup? Did you like what Favre thought before the game? His his plans, I guess. Did you uh, see what the idea behind this lineup was? Um, I don't know his plans, because... <laughs> um, I mean, I don't know if it, if it came down to just changes uh, to rest some players and give our players uh, especially Dahoud and Götze who haven't played like anything anytime uh so why not i give them some give them some uh, give them a chance to prove themselves um i mean i guess that might be what uh Farfus thinking was maybe saw some you know tactical leeway to outmaneuver Bremen i don't know um i very much doubt that uh, that's what's going on right now um so yeah um i mean it's how presumptuous uh, of you <laughs> all right um so i guess dahoot did well um Götz was fine so uh i guess it was i mean i i, I just liked uh to see these two guys uh back on the pitch um uh, playing or having having some playing time for Borussia Dortmund because after all I mean, you got you got a deep bench, but 
you don't make use of it that much, um, which is which is a shame actually. Um, so yeah, especially Götze. I mean, it's like, it's, I mean, after he played a what we call a Rückrunde, a great a great second uh, part of the season um, before the summer. So I thought he would be one of the crucial parts of this team this season, but but he isn't. I um, mean, he's just he's just a bench warmer. Um, the hood is a bit of a of a more difficult case but still i mean he's just bench warmer at this point and so i guess uh i know it's just a waste of talent uh to some extent i mean i understand that maybe especially in center midfield there are players ahead of the hood uh just because they are more reliable defensively um but still i mean our teams would you know would sell their grandma just to get uh, someone like the hood in center midfield and it's not like Borussia Dortmund is very much ahead of uh, those teams. So, um, yeah, it was just it was just a nice touch to <laughs> to see uh, some of our some of our players on the pitch. That being said, we do not condone human trafficking of the on the yellow wall pot. <laughs> um, but um, Matthias, I know you're a big Mahmoud Dahoud critic, but I personally thought this was one of the, I, I guess you can say rare. Good performances by the Hood. Um, how how did you view him with uh, since since you're one of his bigger detractors? All right. First of all, I need to correct something here. I'm I'm not a Dahoud hater, as some people say. I, I expect a lot from him given his early promise. I have given up on that promise uh, because if he hasn't shown it by now, I just don't think he'll ever be that level player. Um, that being said, I thought he played very, very well. Uh, it was a good change of pace for everybody, including himself. Uh, do I think he should be a nailed on starter for the future? Absolutely not. Cause I just don't think he can do this consistently enough to warrant it. I'll be more than happy to be proven completely wrong if that's the case. Yeah, sure. Um, I mean, it was nice to see the the drive forward that he has and obviously brings to the table um in in any game and say uh, yeah he nearly scored what would have been a very nice assist uh, from Mario Götze right before halftime but Pavlenka made an amazing yeah tip of the boot safe if you if you want um otherwise this game might have already been decided before the break but um yeah it started with uh, Rashica or Rachica I don't know how you pronounce him uh Pouncing on a Dortmund error, very rare one of Axel Witzel losing the ball right after winning it, which uh, is is just um, yeah <laughs> problematic for any football team. And uh, Hakimi, I think, was out of position, and Manuel Kanji was also not where he uh, you know could have done anything about that shot. So, um, Constantine, do you really think there was a big mistake by Dortmund or just, uh, you know, a, a lucky, I don't want to say lucky because Bremen forced a turnover, but just a lucky break for them to, to catch Dortmund a bit off guard there? Just, just a slight, slight, uh, decision making error by, by Axel Witzel and nothing more than that. He just wanted to turn his body into David Larsen and he, just misjudged the distance to, uh, to Klaassen, so he wasn't able to turn his body into him and 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 uh, covered or um, protect the ball didn't didn't work out and uh, Tla- uh, I, f- I think it was Klaassen, right and and then a, a yes. p- pretty pretty good um, pass over the top or basically over the top like a lot pass uh, to to Rashica. so yeah I mean they just 
I have to say, I mean, Preyman, they, they had or they still have a lot of injury trouble. Um, and just, you know, when you get a situation like that and get a chance like that, you, you better take it. Um, and they did. I mean, it was like from a technical standpoint, it was, was pretty, pretty well played, uh, after Klausen got the ball. And, um, so yeah, why? All power to all power to Bremen, basically. Uh, why not? I mean, exploit the chances you get, especially playing at Dortmund, uh, which is which is one of the tougher uh, challenges for for every Bundesliga team uh, during a season. So yeah. I mean, I have to say, I, we we can be critical that Dortmund drop points and now are in eighth place, obviously. But I I think overall this this might be a bit more cheerful episode, even though there's a lot of criticism still to be leveled at Dortmund. Um, but I I still think we're going to leave this episode looking more upbeat about it, and um, because I thought overall it wasn't necessarily a bad performance. Um, Dortmund of course equalized quite quickly with Mario Götze beating Lang um, from a Lukas Piszczek cross and then uh, Marco Reus scored a bit later into the second half, I think the 38th minute or so, um, with another header. Matthias, we, we talked about that briefly before the um, show, that Bremen were just very susceptible to headers right now. I don't really have an explanation for it, but if uh, Götze and Reus both score with a head in, in one game, uh, which certainly has never happened before that sort of proves their their struggle um and of course there was the the old set piece goal uh, a routine that Dortmund have conceded now a couple of times from just uh, Royce I think was beaten by Josh Sargent at the at the near post and then uh, all Dortmund players I think there there was a picture from from one uh, camera angle where you could see that all Dortmund players are lined up on on one line and three Bremen players are trying to get the ball and, and running ahead and I think only Mario Götze was the only player even trying to to get to it but also not attentive enough to to get to it so um yeah a classic mistake but we will talk obviously in the next game about how Dortmund may try to fix that um so yeah that's um something that is breaking Dortmund's back right now a little bit uh, I think it was 10 minutes into the second half that this happened and then uh, Matthias I did not see a lot of um, chances from Dortmund in the remaining 35 minutes to to get a winner I remember Julian Brandt uh, finding Paco Alcázar in, in stoppage time and there was I think a shot from Hakimi where Torgen Hazard had a follow-up but other than that I don't remember anything too forceful so um that obviously is something that we should address here so please address it yeah i mean uh first of all i think we can agree that bremen have become the new uh north german bogey team of borussia dortmund replacing hamburg uh given that this is the third straight match where dortmund were not able to get over a draw in 90 minutes of course that includes the dfb pokal match where they lost on penalties um and, and actually the last Bundesliga match was also a two-all draw. Uh, Bremen are a difficult side to play. Kohlfeldt knows what he's doing. Um, they're, they're disciplined. They play well. Uh, yeah, Dortmund, you know, had a couple of chances there at the end. Uh, Azad's chance or that double chance, basically the Hakimi shot and then Azad's follow up. It's probably the best one. Um, but Dortmund really should have. 
Um, they, I mean, they should have scored another goal earlier, like you said, the Dahu chance. Uh, but really, what it came down to was they shouldn't have allowed that that corner. I mean, think about it. Bremen had two corners in the entire match. And they scored from one of them. This is a a problem that we consistently talk about here, and that other people talk about. It's not, it, you know, it's a Dortmund set piece defending is problematic. No, it's corner defending that's problematic. It's not so much uh, free kicks or. Except for one throw in that one time against Union Berlin. Um, but overall, it's corners that are the big problem. They, they showed it again. Uh, but Dortmund overall were the better side. It's, it's two points lost. Uh, but at the same time, what kind of bothers me, and, and that's why I find the current, uh, Dortmund Twitter sphere, not the club itself, but kind of everybody around it so nauseatingly annoying right now is it's falling into the trap of uh, what we always used to complain about Bayern fans being so arrogant and disavowing any quality in the in the opposition Frankfurt very difficult Bremen very difficult and we're going to talk about Slavia Prague uh, in a in a little bit and an upcoming opponent that's also difficult in Freiburg even though they Dortmund tends to get the right result against them. Um, it's frustrating. The result wasn't great, obviously, but the performance overall, if I look at the entire match, um, I'm, I don't really have massive complaints with it. The problem Dortmund are facing right now is, um, don't want to have more chances to score and don't always utilize them. And it seems like the opponent, uh, Slavia Prague notwithstanding, whenever they get a chance, they seem to score. And, and that's really, really frustrating. Um, you know, you can, you can say some positional things. I think that first goal, I, I'm not really blaming the defenders because Witzel has been so lights out fantastic in not losing possession that they probably just switched off for a moment. Yes, you can't do that. But at the same time, it can happen. And unfortunately, uh, that was a really well-taken t- goal. The corner was extraordinarily frustrating because it seems like it's just the same story over and over again. And that just has to stop. Yeah, Konstantin, do you have any points of criticism or points that you would like to highlight uh, that were good for from Dortmund against Werder Bremen, uh, especially in the second half? I mean, I like Dortmund's flow in in attack. So, uh, like, there was it was an improvement uh, compared to some of the um, matches before the Bremen uh, tour. So, I guess that that looked like it looked improved at least. I mean, that's something. Um, but also, given um, the scoreline at that point. Um, it just it's it looks like when Dortmund is behind or is not not on a, on the winning track, um, they play much more uh, fl- fluidly, much more uh, aggressively uh, to some extent even. Um, so that's that was was one of the criticisms when we when we discussed the uh, um, Frankfurt draw because like uh, Dortmund was leading and then was just defending passively and uh, sitting deeply. So. Um, of course, it wasn't the case against Werder um, when when the scoreline was it was it too all. So um, yeah, I mean that's in 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 some in you know from 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 a different perspective, I could say like it just um, underlined uh, the previous criticism. 
uh, we've made. So, yeah, but still, I I, li- I just like the fluidity of, of of Dortmund's attacking attacking style, um, which is just just a brief of uh, just, just fresh air, um, because um, in in previous weeks sometimes just uh, Dortmund looked so sloppy and also um, not like they would use all their potential in, in the attacking department because like when you when you look uh, uh on at all these weapons uh, at all these attacking weapons Dortmund has um it's just uh, sometimes frustrating um when when Dortmund's just sitting deep and doing absolutely nothing basically um and just waiting for for the counterattacks which then don't work out so i mean it's just it's just frustrating um of course the uh 35 minutes after uh, the the Friedel goal, after the second Bremen goal, um, I think it was an improvement and was uh, something something promising at least. Um, I mean, and you you can be, uh, um, I mean, you can concede against Werder. I think Werder, um, especially of uh, offensively, are um, underappreciated uh, in, in the Bundesliga. Um, I mean, we, we talked about the first goal. I think that the second goal, the the the, the corner kick was just tremendous, uh, tremendously played by Werder, uh, similar to Schalke's goal against Leipzig this uh, the same day. Um, just it's it's so hard to defend uh, these kind of corner kicks. I mean, Chelsea under uh, back back under Jose Mourinho and with Lampard, Terry, and Balak, um, they just I mean I don't know they they probably scored like fifty goals just for these situations. You know, uh, short uh, a rather short corner or a corner kick to the first post, and then um, you know g- getting getting the ball to this to this to the second post, um, and they scored over and over again. And every team knew how how they would do it, but still, it's it's almost almost impossible to defend these kind of corners. Um, I mean, Nagelsmann talked about the same thing uh, after Leipzig's match against Schalke. Where, where the where the corner kick was even more precisely played and uh, much more much more bam behind it um so yeah i i, I guess uh i guess uh, you can concede one or two goals against Werder, so it was at least uh, something to take away from the match that, that Dortmund then looked quite comfortably uh, playing down the field. Um, but still, I mean, it wasn't enough to score the third goal. So, but still, I mean, when we, when we uh, talk about the match performance uh, and separate the match performance uh, from the scoreline, then I think it was it was a much more promising. Um, performance overall uh, compared to maybe Frankfurt Frankfurt match or the or the Union Berlin match. Yeah, definitely. I I think we can slowly see some improvements, and I think it's also only a matter of time until Torgen Hazard will start scoring. Um, so far he hasn't, but I I feel like it's only really a matter of time because even though I saw a lot of criticism leveled at him at. At Twitter on Twitter I thought he was doing quite well actually I thought he had a really good game and uh, was often an instigator of attacks and uh, obviously picked um, up that one assist so um, yeah while obviously the result is massively frustrating and uh, it's a game that Dortmund could have should have won um, yeah I think looking back at it with a bit of distance we can um, yeah, look at, at some developments that are going well. Obviously, um, it also needs to be said again that Marco Royce and, and Jaden Sancho, yeah, they just look out of form. And, uh, I think it's on Favre to rotate, rotate them a little bit going forward, but maybe he will do that. 
away to Freiburg, we will see. Um, both were definitely starting away to Slavia Prague, um, which was a, quite an interesting formation. I, I thought, um, I don't know how you would describe it, Konstantin, but to me it was like a 4-2-4-0 or so with uh, Royce and Brandt basically as the two center forwards or false nines or whatever you want to call it. And then uh, you had them flanked by Sancho and Hakimi and as a left back you had then Rafael Guerrero. So um, yeah, an interesting setup with the uh, Delaney Witzel double pivot, something probably no one saw coming. Uh, Slavia Prague definitely not. Um But yeah, in the end, a 2-0 win, mightily important for Dortmund in Group F, which they top now because of goal difference and uh, Inter Milan now have only one point. So I'm going into the next games where Dortmund will play first, I think, at the San Siro and then at home against Inter. Um, yeah, just very important to, to have that margin and, and maybe carry it over. And then, yeah, you can basically or almost already decide um, the group in, in your favor. But um, let's talk a little bit about that game um, because I thought it was, I don't want to say sloppy, um, but Dortmund didn't look all too well. But Matthias, you think uh, that's also a lot of credit to Slavia, right? Oh, without a doubt. I mean, you can't forget this is a side that played um, Inter very, very hard very well and uh you can argue that inter were lucky to get a draw in that match very late goal 88th minute or something like that if i remember correctly uh slavia had chances to score in this in this match um i thought guerrero looked very bad uh defensively yet again uh which exposed Hummel's lack of pace which we know is there so you would hope with a pace your fullback that that would kind of you know, balance itself out, but given his horrendous positioning, uh, and, uh, lack of defensive acumen, uh, that, that kind of didn't work. Slavia Prague, I think, uh, unlucky to not get a draw. Uh, Dortmund could say maybe a little bit lucky to, to get a win, but it's Champions League group stage. I still remember, uh, with horror, uh, matches against, um, Apoel. So uh, I'm perfect, perfectly <laughs> fine with a, I'm not going to say lackluster, but with a more workmanlike uh, 2-0 victory. That's not to say that Dortmund didn't deserve to win, um, but a draw for Slavia uh, wouldn't have been out of question. I, again, I think people are looking at it from a, an extraordinarily arrogant position and saying, oh, this is just Slavia Prague. We should be blowing them away. Um, because we're Dortmund. Dortmund got the win, something that Inter didn't. Um, I think Inter are kind of, for me personally, because I'm a, an Inter fan, uh, very disappointing so far this season. I thought they would be doing better uh, than they are. And they're looking straight down the barrel of not making it to the next round, uh, which obviously makes life a little bit easier for Dortmund and Barcelona moving forward. Uh, but I think uh, Dortmund did what they had to do. The crowd was really good in Prague. Um, it, it seemed like maybe not the easiest place to play. I'm not sure. I don't really watch a lot of Czech football. I did really uh, enjoy the preview episode of the Yellow Wall. And so I will take... Uh, Three, three points against Slavia Prague away from home and be very happy with it and come back home with it. Well, the good news really is that Dortmund uh, came away with a clean sheet. Um, Hans-Joachim Watzke obviously gave a quite long interview to Süddeutsche Zeitung and uh, I 
transcribed most parts of it, which you can uh, find on theyellowwall.net. Um, Constantine Vatska said that Dortmund have to fall in love with results and not fall in love with their own football. Um, is this basically what happened in the Czech Republic? I mean, it's a stupid statement. Um, <laughs> yes, uh, it is. But be, be, because, as, as, especially as a coach, uh, you 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 want to improve the performance and not uh, and not the results. Because uh, results often enough come down to a little bit of luck and you know just form and and stuff like that. Refer, referee decisions. So I mean, sometimes you lose, but you know that you're on the right track. And after and, and over the course of a season, fifty games or so, uh, it will work out. Um, and usually, I mean, you especially as a coach and as a team, you can't, you can't get caught up too much by maybe one or two unlucky results or maybe one or two results where you figure, yeah, we we did get away with with not enough points. Uh, we deserved more. Just you know, just to make that point clear. So, I mean, uh, usually the coaches would just uh, look out to look whatever way they use to just uh, get points. I mean, they are usually battling relegation or something, but don't want to win win championships and stuff like that. Um, after all, I mean, a, a match at Slavia is, is like the, the, the kind of match where you drop points in these uh, Champions League group stages. So I guess that was uh, one of the more important wins for Dortmund uh, during this season. I mean, if they want to advance in the Champions League and maybe have a quite successful Champions League campaign this season, uh, which is, of course, possible. Um, I mean, Slavia, is, as, as Matthias already mentioned, Slavia played Internazionale to a draw. Um, they have a, a quite talented midfield. I mean, you, you saw it. Uh, uh, Stakio and Socek. I mean, they will pl they will play elsewhere, and they will they won't uh, stay in the in in, in the uh, Fortuna League forever. So, um, yeah, I guess after all, I mean, it was it was uh, one of the more important wins. I, I think, yeah, as you uh, you are you are totally right. I mean, when you say that uh, Dortmund looked somewhat sloppy, um, I mean, I mean, when I when I praised their uh, style of possession against Bremen, at least in the, the last 30 minutes of the match, I have to say, like, the build-up looked sloppy and there were too many unforced errors and too many too many mistakes that uh, were just unnecessary and, and just to some extent untypical for some of the players. Um, yeah, as, as for the formation or the, the lineup, um, I just found it quite interesting that uh, Favre decided to... Um, Field Hakimi uh, on, uh, yeah, as, as an attacking winger and, and Guerra as a, as a left back. I mean, like, I don't know. Uh, if you, if you asked me before, and I, I would have probably expected it the other way around that, uh, Guerra is in midfield, um, you know, on the left side, maybe going inwards a little bit, uh, playing as a, as a third center midfield or something, something like that. And, and Hakimi is, of course, the fullback with, with, with his speed and just, you know, how, how dynamic he can, uh, run up and down the lane so yeah it was it was interesting but i mean hakimi scored twice so especially the first goal uh was was quite uh quite a sight to see actually um um so yeah i mean it was all right but uh just one of these more uglier uh you know international nights you see um but i guess slavia is one of the teams that that just make it ugly to some extent up on the other side can can play a good ball so um yeah i mean Dortmund can be happy to to have three points uh 
taken from Prague and you know just going forward. I mean, you you, you are ahead of Internazionale, which is basically the the main competition for the second place, I guess. Or or maybe it's maybe it's Slavia. I don't know, but it's just it's just a, a major win for Dortmund if they want to enhance to the next round. Yeah, uh, Acha Fakimi basically promises, uh, I guess, life partner uh, Hiba Abuk, who is a Spanish actress. Um, that he will score because uh, they are now expecting a child, which I think they, uh, well, he sort of announced with his celebration, but then really announced on Instagram the next day and uh, said that he was so overjoyed and enthusiastic that he even scored two goals. So um, good for him. Um, I'll leave the math to other people. How many uh, children <laughs> Hakimi needs to have for Dortmund to win the championship? Um, but um, yeah, I, I thought it was interesting in, in that, ploy of, of Favre I think worked out actually quite well um, because Dot would squat twice on the counter um, it just freaking took a while um, to finally score the second goal um, Julian Brandt with two magnificent assists um, and he could have should have had a third one um, very early in the second half I think it was when he uh, sent Jaden Sancho in a one, one against one duel against the goalkeeper but um, yeah he had to quite heavy touch and then tried to go for the nutmeg against Kolar and that just did not work out. So, um, yeah, Dortmund had to wait. My big criticism in this game really is that Dortmund's position of play, especially in the final third when they've managed to progress the ball within their own possession was just terrible. I thought that there were too many players hiding in the cover shadows and, you know, as you just said, Constantine, if, if then the sloppiness, unforced errors and whatnot adds to that, um, it just, it's just not very palatable football to watch. And, um, I personally think that overall Dortmund should be further in their development as they are, um, in, in such a game. I think that they should have, you know, should, players should, should just in general have a better positional play. Than they had. That's that's my one big criticism. But maybe um, I take too much credit away from Slavia there, because um, yes, they defended very well, and uh, as Lucien Favre said so nicely, they they make a lot of right runs. So maybe that's what the problem is. And of course, Dortmund have never really played in such a formation that uh, you know you always have to factor in. But nevertheless, I I thought really that Dortmund can play much better than they did against Slavia so um yeah two goals on the break but otherwise it was a little bit disappointing I have to say um I I think they could have done better but Matthias uh we finally seen uh some man marking Mats Hummel said it at the pre-match conference that they've uh thought about solutions discussed it among the team about uh trying to yeah defeat their susceptibility on on set piece defending um I thought it looked quite good against Slavia, who um, had six corners and uh, several free kicks. I don't know how many right now, but um, I don't think Dortmund had too much trouble in, at set pieces, minus one routine, which was just played very well. Um, how did you see it, and do you think this is uh, how Dortmund will play going forward now? You know, it would have been nice if anybody, I don't know, over the last 12 months would have brought up uh, corner defending ever. Um, so I'm, I'm glad they finally stumbled across something that might work. And no kidding. If what wasn't, what, if what was there before wasn't working, you obviously had to change something. Here's my bigger question is, what took you so damn long? 
Seriously, I've 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 a question. Yeah. Uh, you know, it's it's obviously just speculation, but uh, I'll invite you to speculate now with me, Matthias. Um, do you think that's uh, uh, down to Mats Hummels just putting his foot down and saying, "Folks, we need to change something here." Um, maybe. I mean, I I don't know. Um, possibly <laughs> because it never got changed before. You would have thought that something would have happened, I don't know, in the summer at some point to go, hey, you know that thing that keeps happening where we keep on conceding goals? What's it called again? Oh, yeah, it's a freaking corner. Um, let's change something. Nah, nah. And now, you know, maybe the Veda Bremen match was that straw that broke the camel's back for the millionth time. And they they did something with a little bit more man marking. That seems to work because... You won't have that recurring nightmare of yours, Stefan, where the entire Dortmund defensive line in a corner is standing, oh, between kind of the, 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 I don't know, just around the penalty spot. And then you've got four Vera Bremen players standing alone in front of Roman Bürki, who's going, shit, not again. Um, so, no, it's very pleasing to see. And hopefully, even though... Um, Like, like you had said before, they'll probably still concede from a corner occasionally because that's just the probability of it. The fact that they didn't against Slavia Prague shows that it's a massive improvement and hopefully then matches uh, like against Union Berlin or Werder Bremen, uh, you get a completely different end result. Yeah. I hope so uh, going forward that uh, Dortmund can massively improve on that. I mean, um, the the big problem for Dortmund in the second half of last season was obviously their defensive uh, shambles, let's say. Um, the uh, average goals conceded in the second half of the season was 1.56 compared to the Hinrunde, which was just 1.11 or so. Um, so that, that's just... A massive gap, and uh, right now in the Bundesliga, it's also uh, 1.5, obviously with uh, nine goals in six games. In the Champions League, of course, still uh, without a goal conceded, so that's nice. Um, but it's obviously worrying, and the the thing don't really have to improve the most. If you know, just if if you bring down the average to 1.1 again or 1.2, I think Dortmund will win so many more points. So, um, yeah, this is really where all the improvement has to go. But uh, I don't want to talk too much about the defense now, Konstantin, because we saw a novelty, um, at least in the Dortmund lineup, and that was a double attack line, whatever you want to call it, by Julian Branden and Marco Reus. A, how did you like it? And B, would you expect the same against Freiburg? Because uh, Paco Alcázar is still out with uh, Achilles problems. Yeah, I mean, it's it's not that different to what they usually play, uh, quite frankly. I mean, it, yeah, on paper it looks differently, but it's it's just not that different. Um, the only thing is, if, if they play in a 4-2-3-1, Royce tends to drop a little bit deep, sometimes too, too deep, actually. Um, on, in our cases, he's, he's higher up the pitch and basically playing as a secondary striker. So, um, it's just one thing if you, if you play a more of a 4-4-2 style of, of, uh, of, uh, style formation, is that just, uh, you know, especially the, Two players in the in the middle, uh, like in this case, Brand and, and the Royce, the two players up front, they have to uh, keep an eye on basically the space between them and the center midfields because there's there's uh, usually a 
pretty big or there can be a pretty big hole uh particularly when you got uh, players like Delaney and Witzel uh at center midfield um who are like fond of just uh moving forward that often um so that's basically something you have to keep an eye on uh you can also use of course one of your wingers but uh Sancho is not the kind of guy who slips into a number 10 role that uh that easily uh coming from the outside so that won't work so uh that's just it i mean you can play with, with more of two basically secondary strikers and not with one center forward or you can have someone like Paco Alcaza who is just a little bit more of a traditional striker um and so more of a little bit more of a target player um it just it doesn't change too much actually um especially with with Alcaza because he's also someone who who's who's who has to be involved with crown passes and not not much with, with high long balls or something like that um so if you if you play him or you play two um you know false number nines or something uh it doesn't change too much in in terms of how Dortmund builds up and what kind of passes they use um it's not like it's not like when when Alcazar's up front, uh, Hummels is you know playing these these long balls or uh, like t- ten of them uh, during a match. He doesn't play any of them actually. Um, so yeah, it, it, it's it's just it's a little bit of a twist. I mean, uh, on the other end, you can ask why Mario Götze wasn't uh, featured in the lineup against Slavia. Um, I mean, that's something I was wondering about i mean what did this what the thinking behind that decision was uh what Faf is thinking behind the decision was um to you know drop Götze once again uh after he made a he had a decent performance against Werder so i don't know why i mean especially a, a system like that with two two false nines uh it's right in Götze's ballpark actually so yeah it's it's uh, it's just strange um to come back to the Götze situation yeah, I, I agree. Uh, I think literally everyone expected Mario Götze to start with Alcázar being out and the way he played against, um, Bremen and, uh, Favre said before the game, then, oh yeah, we play every three days and we have to rotate a lot. Yeah. Well, that freaking doesn't apply to Mario Götze, right? Who just had one start. I mean, come on. Uh, that's, that's a bullshit answer. So, um, yeah. So I, I really do wonder if, uh, we would see, if big if if Favre actually gives Royce a freaking rest for once, um, if we see Brandt and Götze together forming a you know a false nine do or whatever you wanna call it, Matthias, what what do you think? And uh, do you, I mean Konstantin said before that Mario Götze doesn't just doesn't pick up his form very early in the season, but uh, we we saw against Bremen he clearly is ready to play. Um, so, um, is this something you would like to see? A Brand gets a double attack system in a 4-2-4 or whatever? Well, it would definitely make life interesting for opposition defenders, uh, unless, of course, you're playing against a side that sits really deep. Um, because they, they, I just don't see that really happening if they're going to sit really deep and not move. Then I, I don't know if that's necessarily what, what you need. Um, you know, as far as Gutsa goes, we're, we're seeing a replay of last season, uh, where they're slowly bringing him back, uh, to form and to play. Uh, obviously nobody here and nobody on Twitter is a team doctor for Borussia Dortmund and, uh, knows the ins and outs of his health situation. 
And maybe this is exactly what they need to make sure that he can play all the way until next spring um, and uh, reproduce some of the great performances he had last season. So I, I understand the consternation about him uh, not playing um, and, and then have, you know, if you have someone like a Royce up top, which never really seemed to work previously. Um, but at the same time, I think uh, I, I will side with the club on this one and go, Okay, maybe it's just a matter of making sure he's 100% right uh, physically and health-wise and not to overstress the player. I don't know. Um, it would be nice if a comment along those lines would come from the club, but I doubt it ever will. Uh, also because of, you know, you know, possible uh, doctor-patient confidentiality type things. So um, let's wait and see. It's still super early in the season. Uh, I'm not, I'm not overly concerned. If we run into the situation before and after the winter break, then, then I'm going to be start to, to get a little bit more worried about it. Yeah, I don't know. We'll we'll, we'll see. But obviously, um, Mario Götze is a very prominent player, and there will be a, a lot hot, a lot of headlines around him. And um, but I think um, we can close the Slavia Prague discussion now and move over back to the Bundesliga, um, where uh, Dortmund play against third place Freiburg, who are in in quite the form right now. And uh, it's it's good for for Freiburg to to have a very good start because uh, it's not the first time that they do and then sort of uh, yeah plummet down the table again later. But uh, um, yeah, I personally like Freiburg and like to see them around in in the Bundesliga. And uh, for this to happen, they need to play well. Um, Konstantin, what makes Freiburg so strong this season so far? Uh so it's it's kind of uh, like the Freiburg case is, is somewhat uh, strange. I mean, they, <laughs> they they don't play I they don't play that much better than other teams in the league. Uh, it's I just mean, a, it's very tight in the Bundesliga. So yeah, it's, yes, it's very tight. It's yeah, it's it's very tight. Um, so I mean, one or two points more, and uh, you know, and and you you are third or maybe you are eighth. So um, <laughs> comparing Dortmund and Freiburg right now, um. But Freiburg just, as in previous seasons, um, like to play down the wings, uh, like to get those quick, dynamic fullbacks or now wingbacks involved. Uh, right now, especially Christian Günther. Uh, Günther is like in the form of his life. Um, also captaining the team. Uh, will be captaining the team against Dortmund. Um, Jonathan Schmidt on the other side. I mean, both are really, really quick on their feet and can make these these runs and have stamina for 90 minutes. So uh, they are pivotal for, for, for Freiburg uh, as is the, the, the back line. Just safe build-up plays. Uh, not many turnovers. So that's why uh, Freiburg don't make these mistakes, uh, which would usually cost them a couple of points. Right now, they don't make them. Um, yeah, and and the, their overall system is just quite similar to the to previous seasons. Why? Be, because Christian Streich doesn't change that much. I mean, his his philosophy is that like maybe my maybe the players will change because we have to sell some or some will just leave. And yeah, we have we have quite a turnover from from year to year. Uh, my my system will never change, um, and it will just be. 
basically the same. Um, so if if new players come in, they will just be integrated into the, the the existing system. Only thing is, in terms of like the formation, he he changed from the. I mean, he, he played a uh, back three last season already, but uh, the four four two, which was which which was quite similar to Farfra's four four two at Lutbach, by, by the way, uh, he. You know, he uh, get away from that a little bit and now plays. Yeah, it's uh, more he, three four two one now, right? It, with that's what I was so. I wanted to say in in a second. Yeah, Sorry. Now, now plays with, with a back three, uh, and especially up front, it's interesting that that uh, right now Niels Pedersen is uh, the starting center forward, not not Luca Waldschmidt, uh, which is of course the more talented and more promising uh, center back. Center forward prospect, uh, but Peterson will probably play up front against Dortmund, and he has, has two um, secondary strikers behind him, Krifo and Höhler, probably, or may- maybe Harbour. Um, so, so two agile uh, players who will try to room between the lines, and I think, um, especially for Dortmund, I mean, I think they will be able to um, defend most of these wing attacks, uh, especially like with Hakimi and Piszczek. On, on either side, I mean, I guess they they will will be fine, I guess, um, because like like there's not 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 in speed advantage for Freiburg. I mean, in our matches they have the they have the speed advantage and not against Dortmund. Um, but what will be interesting is how uh, Delaney and Wissel will defend that space right behind them or right between them and and Hummels in their country because that's like that's like the sweet spot for someone like Höhler. And then maybe Harbour or Krifo, you know, they will they will be in the uh, in between there, and maybe at one point they will be unmarked. One of them will be unmarked, and then you know they will cause some havoc. Um, so that that will be interesting uh, in terms of how how you defend against Freiburg. Um, and I mean for Dortmund, uh, they will be able to score one, two, three goals. They are always able to score these kind of uh, no matter uh, who's the opponent, um, but. What about what about defending Freiburg's uh, style of, style of football? Um, and that's that's like there are two things: wing attacks and, of course, uh, defending these these two secondary strikers who are just behind Petersen or maybe Waldschmidt uh, uh, down down the line on, uh, during the match. So that's that's interesting to see. And I've, I mean, it's it comes down to really being aware, uh, you know, like pretty tight zone coverage. Uh, occasional man-to-man coverage. Um, that's that's like what you what you have to do against Freiburg, and not not like uh, you know making a, co- a short nap because then um, someone like Höhler will will just uh, break through. Yeah, I, I just wanted to talk about that because um, if Witzel and Delaney play, which I personally expect, um, they will. Have Grifo and Höhler basically, um, if Dortmund have the ball, um, will put them in their cover shadows or will try to, and, uh, Höfler and Haberer will be just there to, you know, basically build the pressing traps or what, whatever you want to call it. Um, Freiburg aren't the most aggressive pressing team in the Bundesliga right now, but, uh, you know, they, they lay out traps very well, I think. And so, um, the double pivot will be pivotal for Dortmund, um, Constantine. But in the past, Dortmund have struggled in in games, especially away from home, um, when uh, yeah their midfield has been marked out of the game. So, um, what do you presume will be the solutions, or would be the solutions um, to play around that in midfield? And and how do you think Dortmund should uh, go about their business? Do you expect a lot of long balls from Hummels? 
um, in in the path of Hakimi or whoever or um, what what do you think is is going to happen? And will Freiburg stretch out the game, make it as long as as Köln, for example, did? I mean, usually I would say yes, but uh, like given given the history of Dortmund Freiburg matches. Uh, you never know because, like, usually Freiburg just concedes uh, three goals within the first 15 minutes and the match is over. <laughs> um, so, of course, the, that, the current Freiburg side is, is, is improved compared to some of the previous Freiburg sides, but still, I mean, it's Freiburg. Like, there could be. They like, still have Dominic Heinz in defense. This can't go well against Dortmund, or shouldn't at least. Yeah, but they have also Leanhardt and Koch, so um, they make up for Heinz. Uh, <laughs> no, but 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 what you what you have to do against Freiburg is, is basically don't don't play down down the middle. I mean, you just be. I mean, you got you got Günther and and Schmidt on uh, Günther on the left, Schmidt on the right side, uh, Freiburg's right side. Um, so, but they are basically defending these sides alone. Either they drop back and play like a back five, basically, or they they uh, are positioned a little bit higher up the pitch. But usually, you got like. On, your, on Dortmund's right side, you got Piszczek and Sancho, so uh, you play quick passes to to Piszczek or even Sancho right away, and and use the, uh, these 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 short term two on one situations uh, a lot. Um, usually, what 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 Dortmund's problem is, you can't really get these fullbacks involved uh, in the early build up against Freiburg. You can. So, um, and you can get someone like Piszczek basically playmaking Dortmund's attacks from the right side. Um, and, and then, you know, using Sancho as his, as his, uh, partner on the, on the right and maybe just playing down the line or, uh, with, with, uh, Sancho in the whole space. So it depends a little bit. I mean, someone like Sancho is really, really smart in positioning himself in, in the, in the half spaces. So, um, that could work out basically against Freiburg. So that's what you, what you should do against them. Uh, either force them to let the wingbacks advance and then have some space behind them, or just uh, force them to play a deep back five and, and not pressuring Dortmund that much, so Dortmund can advance comfortably. Of course, then you play against a back five deep deep in in Freiburg territory, which is uh, which will make the game very dragging and you know uh, will uh, ask Dortmund to be very patient. But I mean, from ex like from experience, they they have learned to be patient because like that's something they have to to be all the time. I think the last time Dortmund traveled to Freiburg, we, we saw actually a similar scheme where I think um either either Pischek or um I don't know who the left back was, but um you could see that when Dortmund had a turnover, they recycled the possession very quick to their fullback and then played a long line into the um. In, into their winger and then you had the one against one uh, against one of the center half defenders so um this is obviously something that Dortmund could take advantage of because if you win this one against one situation then you immediately will have two or three passing options with teammates to to come combine further and then score very or, or create very high quality chances um this uh, is is something where I'm looking at where Dortmund can really hurt Freiburg um Matthias, who do you think Dortmund should play in, in, in personnel and uh, maybe another slightly tactical question, um, how do you think Dortmund should deal with um, the, I guess, barrage of crosses that, that Freiburg will play and then aim for second balls? Because when I look at Günther and Schmid, I, I do see that that they try to cross the ball and, and cut it back a little bit. And do you, do you think that Dortmund will be able to deal with that? Well, I think uh, as far as 
starting up top, um, isn't uh, Paco out right now? Or currently out for the next match? Uh, so I would hope to see Gutsa up top there. Um, you know, I think movement-wise and so on, I'm not overly concerned on the attacking front. Uh, defensively, yeah, um, shutting down those those wing backs, I think, will be uh, one of the key things, and that's that's kind of where I'm concerned. If Guerrero is on the one side, <laughs> uh, given his uh, defensive frailties, let's say, uh, once the ball is in the air, I don't really have any concerns. You know, you've got one of the strongest headers of the ball, and and defensively against uh, high balls in in terms of uh, Mats Hummels in there. Uh, whether it's Akanji or Zagadou in there, they could, well, maybe Akanji a little bit better than Zagadou if we look at past performances, but I, I, I believe in the young Frenchman, at least when it comes to that. Um, I'm not, I'm not overly concerned about that. Like you said, the, the concern is more kind of that second ball. And, you know, if it's Witzel and Delaney behind there in, in that kind of double pivot, you know, they'll, they'll have to track back and kind of clean some of that stuff up. Um, Again, there, I, given the workhorse mentality of Delaney, I don't think that's going to be a huge, huge issue. He just can't let himself sit in the wrong position and get overrun. What that, for, what that tells me though, is especially also because it's away from home, um, is that, uh, Dortmund may do the Favre thing of sitting a little bit deeper, giving up some more possession. Yes, even to Freiburg. Um, so it, it might be a, a little bit of a slow match, uh, from that perspective. Uh, because I don't know if Christian Streich necessarily wants to go full bore, uh, knowing how deadly Dortmund are on the counter, no matter who is at the top. So I, I would say I wouldn't be surprised if it's um, the kind of match where you don't see 20 uh, shots on goal uh, or shots from, from both teams combined. I think uh, that will be significantly reduced. But if you're able to cancel out those wingbacks, get in behind with pace, uh, then I could also, like Konstantin said, you know, given previous matches – uh, Dortmund up three nil after twenty minutes, and and that's that's all she wrote. You know, the one thing though I do want to kind of mention is if Freiburg are very impressive given how well they've started, like you've mentioned, Stefan. But if you look at against whom they've gotten the results, uh, to me it becomes a little bit more relative. I mean, they they beat Mainz who are sixteenth, they beat Parabon who are eighteenth. They lost to Köln, who are 17th. They beat Hoffenheim, who are 12th and are dreadfully boring. They drew against Augsburg, who are 13th, and they beat Düsseldorf, who are 14th. They haven't played a top half of the table side. Uh, they've only played against the teams that are struggling in the Bundesliga, and they've got Union Berlin coming up soon as well. So, I mean, they've played the bottom half of the table, uh, also with Vera Bremen coming somewhere in there. Dortmund's really the first quality opposition that they face this entire season. So that for me, we'll, we'll see if Freiburg are for real this season or if it's more kind of, uh, 
regressing back to the mean of who they really are and who, where the quality of the squad really is. I think Frankfurt and Bremen are better than Freiburg. They've had harder schedules. Freiburg's schedule so far has been honestly pretty easy. Yeah, I, I think they, they might be in the top 11 or top top 10 of the Bundesliga um, at the end of the season. But it's not like I, I would say they're on for Europa League finish. I just always think with the uh, budget that Freiburg have, it's impressive that they managed to stay up for so many years now. And if I'm not mistaken, this will actually be the last away game for Dortmund at the Schwarzwaldstadion, right? I think they are um, getting a new stadium soon next season so um yeah i i mean it's it's a nice away day i think and <laughs> minus the travel because you always have that scenery of of the mountains in, in the background which is uh, uh nice and, and freiburg obviously is uh, a very beautiful town in itself in germany which is definitely worth the visit um but yeah so if if that's the last game at the uh schwarzwald stadion then i think dortmund uh need to end end their tenure there with a win. So obviously that means they will uh, get all three points, um, which I just determined. Anyway, um, Konstantin, is there anything else we have to discuss in our preview for the Freiburg game? Is there anything uh, that uh, you still have to say about this game? Not really, but just I wanted to make sure. I mean, uh, of course, Freiburg and Dortmund will meet again in the semifinals uh, and play one more, one less time in the Schwarzwaldstadion. You mean in the, in the cup? In the semifinals of the cup, yeah. What did I say? Yes, yes. Yeah, no, no, it was just uh, asking myself if there's any other competition where they could meet. Obviously not. So, uh, sure, Champions League was, semifinals. That was redundant of my, uh, from me, so uh, I apologize. Um, yeah, um, I guess then there's only one thing left to discuss for us, and that is uh, Watzke versus Orba. Um, Matthias, Mr. Watzke, as I said earlier, gave an interview to Süddeutsche Zeitung, and he was asked about Jaden Sancho's potential 20 million pound or euro salary in the Premier League, and uh, you know how Dortmund will struggle to keep players considering the you know. Com- not not very competitive counter offers that that Dortmund can uh, yeah offer, and and he said some players go to clubs following the money where they won't play Champions League then for years. Pierre Merrick Aubameyang is playing great at Arsenal and his heart is probably warming when he looks at his bank account. But on Wednesdays, he watches Champions League on TV and is sad. Um, before we talk about what Aubameyang said, um, do you think this is uh? As a clever statement to make, like mentioning Aubameyang apropos of nothing and, you know, just uh, startling your immature ex-striker. Well, I mean, we'll get to Aubameyang's typical reaction in a minute. Um, you know, it's kind of, it's a little bit of a shot across the bow. Um, you know, Hans-Joachim Watzke doesn't necessarily say things just to say them. You know, uh, usually people say things uh, with a little bit of afterthought behind it. And the thought there is, hey, yeah, no, no doubt. You can go to Arsenal. You can go to Leicester City. You can go to West Ham and make more money than you can to Borussia Dortmund. That's simply the financial power of the Premier League. However, if you are at Dortmund and you have ambitions beyond just 
the money because you're rich. We're not, it's not like they're getting paid, you know, 20 grand a year at Borussia Dortmund. They are very, very wealthy individuals. So he's saying, you know, if your ambition goes beyond just the money and you want to play at the highest level, i.e. Champions League, consistently and constantly, Borussia Dortmund is a better place fit for you. Now, that being said, I think Jaden Sancho will play for a team that will play in the Champions League in future, be it a Liverpool or Manchester City. Okay, maybe not Manchester United, but uh, you get what I'm trying to say, or even a Barcelona or Real Madrid. I think he's the type of player at that level that he's going to play for a club that does have Champions League uh, football more regularly. And honestly, Arsenal, until the last couple of years was always playing in the Champions League. Uh, the, the landscape of the Premier League has changed a little bit since then. Um, so I think it, it was a little bit less about Obama Young, even though he was the perfect example, because obviously you can't take Dembele because he plays for Barcelona. But it's kind of playing in that, you know, this guy was really petulant. He was really unprofessional. Uh, he wanted He wanted his big payday more than anything else, uh, so he can also finance his extravagant lifestyle to a degree. Um, but, you know, he's not playing in the Champions League, whereas Jaden Sancho is playing in the Champions League yet again. I think that's what was behind it. Um, the, you know, it's hard to say if you're not sitting there and you read context and you read emotion and you read um, how someone's voice may play into it versus if it's an interview on YouTube or wherever, where you can actually see how they say things. Um, but uh, the the reaction from Aubameyang kind of took it to the next level. Let's put it that way. Yeah, he he tweeted. Uh, I think, uh, yeah, yesterday actually he he tweeted. Better for you, I never talk about why I really left Dortmund, Mister Watzke. You're such a clown. I remember that time you said we're never going to sell. Osman, and then you saw more than 100 million. You were the first to take the money. Don't talk about money, please. Leave me alone, please. <laughs> um, yeah, I don't know if you need to call Watzke a clown, and uh, Aubameyang conveniently forgets how this entire saga played out. Um, Konstantin, has Aubameyang a point at all? And do you think there is another reason that Aubameyang left Dortmund for that we do not know about? Uh, no, um, not really. I mean, all the reasons are out there already. I mean, they're well known. It was just, I mean, for some time, Aubameyang wanted to leave. He was of the impression that he could sign for Real Madrid, although Real Madrid never made any offer, I think, after uh, that horrible um, quarterfinal match at Real Madrid in 2014 where Aubameyang was stumbling all over the place. Uh, I think there was never a realm in the realm of possibilities that uh, they would sign Aubameyang, if you remember. Um, yeah, that was was uh, something that yeah will will I will will always be on my mind for the rest of my life, I guess. Um, no, but but seriously, um, it's just it's just uh, that uh, yeah, Aubameyang wanted to leave. Um, I mean, Dortmund basically internally they they made the promise that. After the Hummels, Gundogan, and Mkhitaryan summer, uh, they wouldn't uh, sell key players anymore. N not like 
so many key players uh, during one transfer window or something. I mean, they, they, they basically promised that they would hold, hold on to uh, their key players much more uh, passionately, basically. Um, of course, then uh, during the summer of uh, 2017, uh, Dembele left, who was like Aubameyang's best Paul. Um, so I guess... Yeah, that has something, had something to do with that, and then, then he wanted to leave, and then basically, you know, he was like, didn't train that much under, under Stöger, or like, did, just not, uh, have, had low energy during training. I mean, made an appear, uh, appearance in an Dembele jersey and stuff like that. So, of course, we know how he forced his way out, basically. Um, during the winter transfer window, when you usually don't sell your key players. I mean, and Oamyang was one of the key players. Um, during that time, so uh, but on the other side, I mean, on the other hand, I mean, I, I maybe Watzke was somewhat hurt by how Dembele and Aubameyang forced their way out, especially Aubameyang, who had a lot of history of the club. I mean, who was somewhat built up by Dortmund to become a star player. I mean, when he when he was at Saint-Étienne, he was a promising talent, but he wasn't nothing more than promising talent. That I mean, Dortmund had to uh have a lot of faith in into in him uh, because there were times where he was just horrible. I mean, uh, playing as a right winger or playing as a center forward, it didn't really matter. Um, so, yeah, of course, they built him up to become a star player. And I mean, quite frankly, uh, maybe what's is hurt, but on the other, other hand, uh, I don't know if it's so small to... Uh, make these kind of uh, shots because you, you you get into a fight, you can't really win. Uh, why? Um, because someone like Oamiang has like just a social media presence. Uh, Watzke can't compete with. Um, and sure, he can uh, do another interview about like Oamiang's comment. He can do another interview with traditional media, but you are always uh, behind. Uh, and also, then you you like have. have you make comments on like an, an former player and like 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 you open up a battle you you don't you don't need um not now not not next week not next month never basically you need some kind of this battle so so sometimes I think Vatska has to be a bit more a bit smarter when it comes to his comments I mean he he made so, he made other let's say um comments that weren't like uh, that that were a little bit unfortunate. Let's let's put it that way. In the in the past, um, sometimes he shoots from the hip, um, and that can hurt you. Sometimes it can help you and can ma- it can make you more sympathetic, of course, uh, to some extent. Uh, but sometimes it it just uh, hurts your image or you know opens up these kind of battles. Um, and especially, I mean, he has to know that Aubameyang is basically uh, like a man child. Um, and I mean, of course, there will be some kind of of uh, of of backlash from from Aubameyang. Um and also yes Arsenal doesn't play in the Champions League right now and maybe I mean yeah yeah of course Aubameyang just watches Champions League on TV and doesn't play in the Champions League right now on the other hand he is right now at this point the player at Arsenal at Arsenal FC um so he's the player at Arsenal uh he's he's the star player there at a at a Global brand at the at the club that has um, global recognition um, is one of the major clubs in the Premier League. Uh, 
with some troubles, um, just just like Manchester United, um, not the best time right now. Still, I mean, these are global brands. He uh, gets a lot of money and he's the star player for one of the biggest clubs or most successful clubs in the past 15 years. So, I mean, he, he does all right for himself, I mean, I guess. It's, it's, not, it's not like he would have won like uh, uh, 10 titles with Dortmund uh, during the time when he was at Arsenal, when he is at Arsenal. Or since he has been at Arsenal, I mean that's just that's just uh, you know the reality. So I guess uh, after all, it wasn't a bad decision. I mean, and also uh, you can't really compare him to Dembélé because Dembélé uh, he would pl- he would have played at Barcelona a lot of time. He was injured sometimes. Uh, he's sloppy during training. He doesn't he doesn't takes uh, take his job too seriously. I mean, he wanted he wanted so. Uh, I mean, he, he forced his way out to play for Barcelona because it was his dream club and now he's at Barcelona and, and it looks like he doesn't really give a damn about it. Um, and I mean, they signed Griezmann because uh, they needed another another uh, uh, forward, another, uh, you know, uh, winger and forward hybrid um, because Dembele wasn't like reliable or isn't reliable right now. Um, so... I mean that's the way it goes for Dembélé and Aubameyang does way better for himself right now and and, and will be in the next uh, few years at least and uh, you know and after that I mean he'll probably go over to China and make uh, 50 million or something um, I mean this, there was even in the realm of possibilities during his, his Dortmund time that maybe he will uh, sign for a Chinese club right away of course he decided to go to London before that but I mean after all he will probably go to, to the MLS or to China or something um, and make a lot of of, a lot of bucks uh, on top of what he makes right now at uh, Arsenal. So I mean, yeah. he has to, or he will run out, run dry before his fortieth birthday. I mean, he so. can still se- sell some of his some of his uh, cars, right? I mean, of course, they they drop in value after after a short period of time. May, may, maybe in the long term, they'll appreciate though. I, I guess, yeah, I guess, uh, especially <laughs> if, if they're driven by a, by a famous football player. I mean, you will you will find some that case in London who uh, who will buy uh, these kind of cars for like twenty percent over the over the original price. So um, who knows? Um, but yeah, yeah, I mean, you're right. But I think he he does he does well for himself. And uh, would he would he have stayed at Dortmund? He had been one of the key players, but. Uh, I mean, Dortmund wouldn't have won the, cham- uh, the, the championship or something like that. So uh, with him or without him, that's like uh, it's not like he's he's that much of an upgrade to the uh, Royce Paco Alcázar pairing. No, it's it's a pretty good pairing. Anyway, I I think that sort of concludes it. Um, yes, Watzke could have uh, been a bit smarter about it. Um, but yeah. Any anyway, uh, let's just conclude that subject because uh, it's it's nonsense. I will appreciate, however, a quick prediction from you, Matthias. How will Dortmund fare in Freiburg? I'm gonna go with a three-one victory for Borussia Dortmund. I will say that they will win four to two. Konstantin. Yeah, it will be a razor edge four-one. <laughs> yeah. Okay, that's that's good as well. Um. Yeah. So, Konstantin, please tell our listeners how to follow you on Twitter and where to find all your written work. Yeah, they, they just, uh, just just follow me on Twitter at uh, cc underscore eckner and that's the way it is. That's the way it is, Matthias. How is the way for you? Oh, the way it is for me is at uh, Matthiasuk on Twitter. Very well. And you can find me at Stefan Butzko on Twitter. You can get in touch with all of us at yellowwallpod.com 
on Facebook and Twitter. And of course, if you want to subscribe to our show in the various means, you can find us on YouTube, on SoundCloud, Stitcher, iTunes, and uh, all the other various services like Spotify or Google Play or whatever. So um, please find our show there. And if you want to become a reader of The Yellow Wall, then you have to go to our website, theyellowwall.net, and uh, then unlock the paywall with uh, $1 per month as a contribution, which then uh, goes into my healthcare fund <laughs> here in the United States. So um, that is very much appreciated. And some personal news, uh, I finally got my green card. So I'm not fucking leaving. As uh, they say in the Wolf of Wall Street, I will stay permanently in the United States for at least the next 10 years. So uh, that's nice of the country to let me in. Anyway, um, this should be Obviously, for- the standards are slipping, Stefan. <laughs> are they <laughs> well anyway Matthias uh, on that uh, terrible disappointment it's time to end the show as always thank you for listening and goodbye